Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Excellent. Well, let me pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we do pray uh, with thanks for all that we've learned this morning about uh, your greatness and the importance of uh, trusting you above all things and not trusting in anyone or anything else. Uh, We just want to pray for this uh, middle section as we think uh, a little bit about uh, pastoral care in our groups and uh, how to finish well as we come to the end of this uh, small group cycle. Uh, Please give us uh, wisdom. Uh, Please most importantly speak to us uh, through uh, through the verses in uh, Matthew's Gospel uh, we're going to be looking at uh, for just a short while. And we just ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. Good. Uh, Well, I'm the kind of soft filler between uh, Paul on the one hand and Peace on the other, uh, so this is going to be a slightly uh, shorter section. And we're going to turn to uh, Matthew's Gospel. Um, Anya was joking with me earlier that she could work out uh, precisely who's going to be giving this talk because it was Matthew's Gospel, and she knows that when time is stretched, that's where I always turn. Uh, nonetheless, I was doing some, I was doing some uh, writing some Bible studies on Matthew's Gospel earlier in the year, and uh, these particular verses struck me uh, very powerfully when I was looking at them. So we're going to look at them just for a few moments uh, this morning. So this is Matthew chapter 18, uh, verses 10 through to 14, and there's a little um, handout for you to scribble a few things down on if you want to. Um, some extra ones up here, um, but don't if you don't want to. Now, why are we looking at this? Well, we're looking at this because I do think this addresses a kind of key question that we might have as small group leaders. Um, that is, what counts as success when it comes to leading a small group? What counts as success? What standard should we use when it comes to either the studies that we're, that we're doing uh, or the group as a whole? You know, what standard should we be using? And especially as we come uh, to, towards the end of a small group cycle and many of the groups are going to be reforming over the su- summer and new groups are going to be starting um, in September, um, and our thoughts are perhaps drifting to those new groups and the new situation and the, the new cycle uh, starting in the autumn. Um, how can we make sure that that transition works well? What will be the right standards for thinking about that transition? Uh, what counts as finishing well uh, when it comes to those groups here uh, that are going to be uh, finishing uh, this summer? Uh, some, some won't be finishing, uh, so that doesn't apply to you. This is still going to be useful uh, for thinking about the kind of standards, that biblical standards we should be using when it comes to thinking about success in small groups. Okay, so let's begin just with a very brief bit of group work around your tables. Um, so this is the question. Uh, there's no one answer to this, uh, but just throw out some ideas of what you think would count as uh, marks of success, good things. Um, in a small group, and you can think about uh, both uh, the kind of Bible studies you might be using or the kind of pastoral care uh, that happens uh, within the group. Let's just have a, a couple of minutes, maybe two or three minutes, uh, bouncing around some ideas on that, and we'll have a brief feedback, and then we'll look at um, the contribution that these verses in Matthew's Gospel makes to that question. Okay, so just a few minutes thinking about that. Good. Uh, Well, as I said, there's no one single answer uh, to that question. Um, uh, There are many good 
biblical answers to that question, what, count, what really matters in a small group, what matters in a small group Bible study. Uh, just shout out a, a few ideas you've had uh, around your tables. What, would you, what, what sort of things have you been um, thinking about? It goes beyond things like, uh, were the biscuits good? Um, you know, stuff like that. What, what, what kind of thing, what counts as success in a, in a small group? Okay, so prayer, so, so, and, and that's, I suppose, a mark then of a growth in a dependence upon God, a, a growth in maturity. Uh, so that's, gonna, that's gotta, got to be a key one, hasn't it? That's right. So the Apostle Paul says, you know, my desire is to present everyone mature in Christ. You know, he's working hard to mature people in, in, in the group. And if, if, that, if there's a growth in dependence together, then that's a wonderful thing in itself, not just for the individual, but for the group as a whole. So that's, 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 what, that's great. Thank you. Yeah, that's right. So again, another mark of uh, the Lord really working in somebody's heart is to, to bring about the compassion uh, for those who are needy around them. Absolutely. Uh, very good. Yeah. I love God's word, and particularly growing understanding of how it is. Yeah, so growing understanding of the words, um, a growing love of the word. You know, so it's not, a, it's not a chore, it's not an exercise, but it's something that's a delight to do. That's something you look forward to um, in the week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So looking to the Bible, we ask rather the leaders or the notes. Yeah, that's right. So that's a that's a transition that you may see as people mature in Christ, isn't it? That they they will that that greater dependency of, of, upon God expressed in turning to the Word rather than um, just coming up with a few ideas amongst ourselves. Yeah, thank you. Uh, well, they're all very helpful and, and all right, I think. Many examples um, that we could give, uh, but the one suggested here in Matthew 18 um, is this, uh, that every single member of the group matters, or to put it another way, no one within a group or the the Christian discipleship in general should be lost or neglected or looked down upon. Okay, now let me just give you a bit of context. I'll read, read the verses in just a moment. Let me give you a little bit of context about where this falls in Matthew's Gospel. Uh, the context that this is uh, teaching in Matthew's Gospel, which is all about the way of the cross. Uh, so it's, it's structured around uh, three of uh, Jesus' passion uh, predictions. So if you flip back a page to uh, chapter 16, uh, verse uh, 21... Um, you can see it there. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law. He must be killed on the third day, raised to life. There are three of those predictions in this part of the gospel and they structure the, sec- the section. So in other words, Jesus is setting the pattern when it comes to living uh, the way of the cross. Uh, but he also expects his disciples to follow in that same pattern. If you look at chapter 16, verse 24, you can see that very clearly. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And so on. Okay, so this is the pattern that he's setting. He wants his disciples to follow in the same uh, pattern. But what does that actually look like? That's a, that's a good question, isn't it? 
it sounds, the principle is nice and clear to understand, but what does it actually look like? What does it look like in terms of individual Christian living? What does it look like in terms of uh, uh, the, at the community level, as a, as a church family? What is this going to look like? Uh, well, we'll find the answers to those questions in this section of Matthew's Gospel. And the answers are largely very practical ones. They're all, it's all about paying your taxes, uh, dealing with sin in the community, uh, making sure that forgiveness is always there and always quick to come. It's about faithfulness and, and perseverance in marriage. It's about letting go of greed and wealth. It's about serving in the end. Uh, rather than ruling over people, serving people rather than ruling over people. And at the beginning of Matthew chapter 18, it means this, it means being like a child and uh, looking after other disciples of uh, Jesus as if they were little children, uh, which is a kind of metaphor that we can misunderstand, I suppose, if we're not careful. Um, It's not about having messy bedrooms, It's not about having continuous tantrums. It's not about playing Minecraft every waking hour of the day uh, or doing that really strange thing, which is watching uh, YouTube videos of other people playing uh, Minecraft, which I really don't understand at all, but nonetheless, it seems to be particularly attractive. So it's about none of that. None of that is being encouraged by this idea of being uh, little children. What is being encouraged, however, is this humble dependence upon the Lord uh, that you might expect uh, from a little child. The kind of humble dependence that you have uh, when you really can't help yourself. You depend upon somebody else to feed you, clothe you, protect you, and so forth. That kind of attitude uh, towards uh, the Lord. So be like a child, but we also look after the other children, look after the other disciples of Jesus. Do not cause them to fall or stumble And uh, then what we're going to go on here in these verses, in verses 10 to 14, don't look down upon them. So let me just read the verses to you, and then we'll look a little bit more closely. So Jesus says this, See that you do not look down on one of these little ones. So remember, by little ones, he's talking about uh, disciples of himself. For I tell you that their angels in heaven... Always see the face of my Father in heaven. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go and look for the one that's wandered off? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he is happier about the one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. So you can see the basic uh, purpose or principle in these verses, uh, the the teaching purpose of Jesus here. Do not look down, this is uh, verse 10, do not look down on these little ones, these disciples of Jesus. We might put that a different way. Don't despise them, uh, but also don't think little of them. Make sure that they have equal weight, everyone has equal weight in your attentions. Um, or just put that positively as I was saying before every one, every single one matters Uh, it matters that they don't stumble in their Christian lives it matters that they don't fall away it matters that they persevere in the Christian faith 
And yes, all the things we've uh, said about uh, growing in maturity and growing in the love of the Lord, all those things matter too. But it mostly means that they are, what really, really matters is that they are not lost. Verse 14. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost or forgotten. And the reason or explanation for that uh, lies at sort of both ends, topping and tailing this little uh, section. So you can see it in the second half of chapter 10, for example, and uh, you can see it in verse 14 as well. So don't look down on these little ones. Don't look down on any disciple of Jesus. Uh, Why? Well, because your father cares about their care. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my father in heaven. Now we can read verses like that. I think, think, my goodness, what earth is going on there? And get terribly excited about all this talk um, of angels, and uh, some of us might panic uh, when we come across something like that, or certainly some of us might feel uh, rather confused. Uh, now, what are angels? Uh, angels are, you know, in the Bibles, are communicating intermediaries. That's a slightly long way of putting it uh, between heaven and earth. Uh, the word simply means messenger. Um, and uh, this verse, I suppose, is the closest to the uh, uh, the idea we get in the Bible that, um, that, that, that each disciple, each person of God has, has, a, has a sort of representative messenger that connects them uh, from where they are in earth to heaven, you know, which we could get quite excited about, couldn't we? Because uh, you might start wondering, oh, that's quite interesting, isn't it? Have I really got my own angel? I wonder what he looks like. And all that kind of stuff. Well, I get to meet them one day. But actually, that's not quite the point here. So we could get distracted by the strangeness and excitement of all this, but the point is that every little one, that is every disciple of Jesus, is presented in heaven right before the face of the Father. That's what the verse says. So I tell you that angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. In other words, between a disciple on the earth and the Father in heaven, there is an intimate, close connection. So although the Father is in heaven... He has every disciple before him, presented before him. Now, I've struggled uh, a way, try, trying to think of a way of illustrating this. So, there we go. So, if you're in a, a CCTV centre and you've got CCTV cameras all over a city, you have each part of the city sort of presented to you. You're sitting in a chair here. You've got it all presented to you. Well, something like that. It's not quite like this. Something like that is happening in heaven. The Father is in heaven and every single disciple of the Lord Jesus has their face presented before him. Every single one of them intimately matters. Uh, which is a very, very uh, striking thought. Uh, so that group member that you've got um, who uh, hardly ever turns up. Um, and when they do turn up, they... Um, either say nothing or say far too much. Okay, that one, that, that disciple of Jesus has their face pre- presented before the Father in heaven. Um, the, the, you know, all the annoying people in your group, all the not annoying people, everyone equally presented uh, before the Father 
in heaven. And for each one of them, the, the father's implied question is this, what about her? And what about him? Who's looking after them? Who's caring about them? Who I care about them. Who down there is caring uh, for them? So, verse 14, the same way your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones uh, should be lost. He's not forgetting them. He doesn't want them to be forgotten or lost uh, down on the earth. So that explains really why we should not look down uh, and why every single one of uh, Jesus' disciples before us, no matter who they are, uh, should matter to us uh, intimately. And then the illustration of that then comes um, in the middle. Uh, This is verses um, uh, 12 and and 13. Uh, What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and uh, look for the one that has wandered off? off? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he's happier about the one sheep than about the 99 that did not uh, wander off. Now, this, um, this little story, you might remember, also appears in, in Luke's Gospel. It's used in a slightly different way in Luke's Gospel. In Luke's Gospel, which you might remember, is all about Jesus coming to, to, to seek and save the lost. It's, it's about the lost sinner who needs to be sought out and brought into uh, God's purposes and become a member of the kingdom. But here we're talking about sheep who are, in a sense, already disciples of Jesus. And the key thing is here that they are, that each one, none of them should be lost. And if any one of them start, begins to wander off, it's, it's so important to go and find them and uh, bring them back. Uh, the sheep are representing disciples, in other words. And the task of the shepherd or a church leader is to make sure that none wander off and get lost. Uh, now, it's an interesting way of putting it, isn't it? So... That, that sense of happiness, verse 13, he's happier that, about the one sheep that wandered off, uh, wandered off and is now uh, found again than about the 99 that did not wander off. Uh, something similar has actually happened to us when um, our children, I think, were, were pretty small and maybe uh, the twins are about three years old and we were in the science museum. In fact, in this very bit of the science museum, this little bit here, which has got lots of sort of children's activities in it and uh, they were sort of playing away and uh, we're doing that, that sort of thing you do as parents, um, uh, even if it's unconsciously, sort of counting that they're all there. So we're going one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two. And then one of them is missing. And she was genuinely missing. She was just not there. She wasn't in this uh, particular area here. She wasn't in this wider area here. Uh, and in the end, we found her on the next floor up uh, while she was doing something else uh, on her own. But it took some time uh, to track her down and find her. And, you, and that sense of relief and happiness uh, when you find a child in that situation was really very strong and powerful indeed. So that's the kind of sense uh, that we should have as we try and draw people back who, who might have been forgotten, who might have been lost or might have been neglected that kind of delight that they can come back into things um, is very, very um, exciting um, indeed. It's, um, I suppose, rather like the process. I can, I can never, in, when we lived in London, I can't imagine why anyone would think this is a good idea, but a lot of the school trips, you'd have to take groups of school children, school children across the city 
on public transport, you know, so you'd have a, um, a party from, a, you know, 30 school children, get them on the tube and take them across the city. I can't imagine what nightmare thing to be involved in. Um, extraordinary. Um, but it, so this is the, and that's a sort of kind of parallel situation, isn't it? You know, what are your standards for that school trip? Um, are they that you get maybe a few to their proper destination <laughs> that that'll kind of do? Um, is, it, is it okay to get maybe 90% of the, the children there and maybe 80% of them back again? You know, is, that, is that a satisfactory standard for the, for the school trip? Well, thankfully not, even though it's very difficult. To, the standard is that you are, in fact, in, the intention is that you bring every single one of them to their destination and bring every single one of them back. And that's basically what's been um, instructed here uh, when it comes to looking after uh, the disciples of Jesus. And in particular, as I was saying before, in this sort of kind of transitional time, so you imagine you're trying to do an interchange on the, on the tube in London. Perhaps it's um, Bank Station. I don't know if you've ever been to Bank Station in London. It's the most extraordinary subterranean uh, network. Um, this is what it looks like, in fact. It's incredibly complicated. The numbers of ways in and the number of ways down, the number of ways for getting from different levels, just extraordinary. It's one of the most complicated uh, station, underground stations in the world, I think. Imagine losing someone in there and the, the kind of difficulty of, of finding them again. So when you go through these transitional times, uh, the, the risks of, of losing people or, or forgetting people or people falling through the cracks or through the net, as it were, um, are very high indeed. So, that's, so this is going to be important all the time. You know, so every single one matters. But particularly the point of change, you know, when groups are changing and who's looking after whom, that kind of issue. Those sorts of issues are coming up over the next few months, aren't they? Um, it's particularly important um, at this moment to make sure that everyone is being looked after. Um, so I suppose, um, especially now, th- this is the moment to keep up the, the, the conversations with people that we know in our groups um, and uh, sort of meeting up for coffee and um, having people around for meals, these, these kinds of things, which might have sl- slightly slipped off our, our, our thinking because our, we're thinking, oh, well, is it really worth doing that at this time? Because the group's sort of breaking up now. I just want to suggest this morning, this is, a, this is especially important to do now, to make sure that people are looked after over this transition. Now, I want to confess now that um, uh, in many groups that I've been involved in um, over the last... Uh, I don't know, 10, 15 years or so, this is something that I've very often not got right. And uh, there have been people who have been forgotten and it's not been good. And in some cases, that, 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 that has really bad, um, that has had bad um, effects and implications. Um, so this is, I'm really preaching to myself here, that it really matters. It really matters. Each one of those people has that representation in heaven before the Father. Okay. He is asking the question, who's looking after this one? I don't want that person to be lost. And he wants that attitude to filter down into the, to, to the other disciples as, as we look after uh, one another. Now, what I suggest we do, we've got uh, just a, a few minutes left, maybe four minutes left, um, and I think it would probably be good to pray at this point. Uh, pray in the groups 
um, around your tables. You, uh, there's not time, um, unfortunately, to pray for every single member uh, represented um, on your table. But you might like to pray in, in, in general for this kind of care, especially over this time of transition. And if there are particular people that come to mind, you think, well, yes, that person could easily get forgotten in all of this. I really do need to make sure uh, that they find a, a good new home and are well looked after at this time. So if there are particular people that come to mind, uh, then do uh, pray about that. And um, Okay, so let's uh, pray for maybe five minutes or so, and I'll, I'll draw us back together in just a moment.